Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Well, this Father's Day, as we're in this summer um, where we're looking through this, the Psalms, I hope that you're able to continue in that journey with us each day, reading those. And, um, but uh, each Sunday, I preach on a different Psalm this summer, and today's is Psalm 63. So would you turn with me over to Psalm 63? I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 for us today and uh, talk a little bit about some incredible things that we read there. Psalm 63, 1 to 8. It says, God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods, with singing lips from my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I will sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, and your hand holds me up. David was in the wilderness when he wrote this psalm. It was a troubling time, actually, in his life and in his family. His son Absalom uh, rebelled against the family and was starting a bit of a rebellion in the land against his dad. In this time, you could say that David made some mistakes as a father on how best to handle the situation at home, and he made some mistakes as a king. But I love what Warren Wearsby says about this psalm. He says, despite all that had happened and was happening, David knew he couldn't change that. So instead of looking back in regret or looking around in fear and discouragement, David chose to look up to the Lord in Psalm 63. And he reaffirms his faith and his love for God. And I think that that sentiment really captures a lot of the Psalms as we have been going through them. David repeatedly looked up. And I love that. I love that David had bad days and weeks and years and made mistakes and got down like all of us can. He wasn't perfect. His life didn't go as he would always wish. But I love that he didn't get stuck looking back or looking around. But David looked up. In times of discouragement and disappointments, we all have to do this. It's part of what we do on, when we gather on Sundays or in our morning devotions or our evening prayers. We're taking the what was and what is, and we are bringing it and looking up to the one who is over all. For we've all made mistakes. We've all tried our best or done what we thought was right. And nothing has been perfect. The world isn't. But, but what, what do we do? We Christians do what God's people have always done in times like these. We look up. Yes. And we reaffirm our faith in a good and loving and wonderful and powerful God who is over all and through all and in all, who always was and is and is to come. We reaffirm our faith in him and his love and faithfulness to us. And in this, we gain new strength. We look up. 
As we look up this morning, I want to draw your attention to four lines from this prayer here, Psalm 63, that might encourage you and me. First, David opens with verse 1. And I want to encourage you to really hear it and maybe even write this verse down and put it on your refrigerator or bathroom mirror this week or put it on your phone and keep pulling it up on your screensaver there and think about it, reread it, and think about what these words truly mean in your life and context. Here's what they say again. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs or faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. When you're going through a tough time without the answers, you don't look back. You don't look around. You look up. Because your answer is found in him. What does Psalm 121 say? It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. We look up. We are a people who look up. David begins by saying, God, you are my God. He's looking up. God, you are my God. Those are his first words. He is saying, I'm not alone in this. I got you. I don't worship some worthless idol I made or put my hope in some material thing that will disappoint or some person who will let me down or some other power. God, you are my God. My hope is in you all day long. I am your child and you are with me. I am not powerless in this situation. I am not in despair in this world ever. You are my provider and you have not left me. My God has not abandoned me. I am not lost. I have been found. I may be hard pressed, but I'm not crushed. I may be discouraged because it's pretty tough. But God, you are my God and it's not tough for you. You who made me in this world and are over it. You who parted the seas and in love for me died for my sins, I am eternally yours. God, you are my God. What do I have to fear? No matter what happened this past week, no matter what is happening in David's life or how bleak at times it appeared or heavy, David could always say to those people around him, hey, wait a minute. You remember Abraham and how when it seemed like all hope was lost, Isaac was then born? Do you remember Joseph and what his brothers did to him with evil in their hearts and how he was abandoned to sit in jail when he had done no wrong? But do you remember how God raised him up and put him in the palace at the right time to save himself and his family, turning that evil for good? Do you remember Moses and the Israelites in Egypt and how God delivered them out? Do you remember Joshua and the walls of Jericho? Do you remember what happened to Goliath? That is my my God. He is my God. He did that, and if he is for me, then who can stand against? Why am I afraid? David didn't take too much time looking back with regrets he couldn't change or getting overwhelmed by looking around at his situation and struggles. David found new strength always by looking up. I am tempted every day to look back and look around instead of looking up. Those waves can get high and scary. Getting down thinking, man, if I would have only done this, or why didn't I do this, or how come this whole thing has happened? Well, you can't change that. It is. 
looking around, seeing the problem and that problem, trying to make sense of it, getting all afraid of it. By looking back and looking around, pretty soon I'm tempted to lose the battle in my mind. And if I get defeated up here, I am defeated in life. I got to look up. In any and every situation, I got to do as David did, look up and say, God, you are my God. And my God heals the sick. And my God casts out the demon, raised the dead, died for my sins, and sits on the throne. And my God has prepared a place for me. And my God stayed with Israel even when they wandered. He tended to his prophets even when the world threatened. He broke the chains, delivered on every promise, was faithful then and will be faithful now. God, you are my God. I trust in you. That'd be my question for you today. Do you trust him now? And are you looking up? Or are you looking around and you're looking back? David says, I earnestly seek you like a man in a dry and weary land looking for water. David's talking about trust here. He's talking about focus. That's what David means. I look for you, God, like a man desperate for water. When you're thirsty and dying in the desert, you ain't thinking about your clothes. You're not thinking about that, you know, issue in your house that you wanted fixed or some superficial stuff or some petty little issue of what somebody else did to you. No, you're thinking about water because you know you are dead without it. It's funny how life puts things into perspective and priority and what you thought was important or mattered so much or were getting all worked up about when cancer hit, it no longer matters. When something happens with your kids or whatever, what you were fighting over seems completely unimportant. David is speaking like that here. He is saying, I earnestly seek God like a man desperate for water in the desert. I know he is what I need right now. The only one who can answer or satisfy. My God is like water in the desert do you seek God with that same earnestness, you know, in times of discouragement, like a desperate man in search for water, or in times like these, where are you still seeking something else to maybe satisfy? Hopefully not. In the book of Jeremiah, God says, I hold this against you. You've not only forsaken me, your first love, but you have dug broken cisterns that cannot even hold water. In other words, you've not only forgotten to me and come to me for help, but you have turned to other gods, you've turned to other places, other sources, which will never satisfy you. Return to me, the fountain of living water, and I will fill you up, true water. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's only one who holds the answer. There's only one who can help us in our time of need. Only one who can satisfy the deepest longings in our soul and help us. Only one who can turn this evil, whatever it might be, into a good. Only one who can hear our fears and discouragements and prayers and answer them. And so above any other place we might scatter and try to go for busy or worry or whatever, look up and declare, God, you are my God. The wilderness there becomes the place of worship for David. Hear that again. The wilderness becomes the place of worship where David reconnects and meets and praises God, renews his hope in the Lord's and puts his life and situation completely in the hands of the one who has always been faithful. David says, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. And he isn't talking about the sanctuary in Jerusalem or the temple. He's talking about how the wilderness has become his sanctuary where he truly meets with God. 
I think I've told you this before, but when I take groups to Israel, the wilderness, the Judean desert, we spend an afternoon there, and it has often become the highlight of the trip. It is hot and desolate and quiet, but an escape from the busy, chaotic streets of Jerusalem. And that afternoon, we just have people kind of scatter in the desert, spending some time with God in the silence. And that often becomes their greatest part of the trip. The wilderness becomes the place of worship in our lives too. In those desperate moments in a hospital where we're lying there or sitting next to a loved one or the long car ride to work and we're not sure what we're supposed to do in this situation or lying in bed and unable to sleep at night and it's just us and God having a conversation and we're surrendering it all. The wilderness becomes the place of worship. God, you are my God. The second line I just wanted to highlight is verse 3, where David says, God, your love is better than life. Literally, it is your steadfast love is better than life. The Hebrew word is hesed. It's one of the most important words in the Old Testament. It is mercy and kind love. It is faithful to the end love. It is nothing's going to separate me from your love. It is I lay down my life for you. Love, hesed. Your steadfast love is better than life. David is praising God in the sanctuary of the wilderness, and he is realizing God is good, and all he ever needed or truly wanted, he has in him. And that is not to take away from the love that we share with each other between family and friends. That is good too, and God is definitely a part of that. But God's love is what makes life worth living. God's love is greater than anything that this world has to offer us. If it wasn't for God's love, his grace, none of us could stand. God's love is what we rest in, live for, and why David keeps going and serving and even caring. We love because he first loved us. His love is the reason for all that we are. And the joy of this day, no matter what happens in it, Love is truly the greatest thing. Sometimes in the forest, we can't see through the trees. We forget the why. We forget the foundation. We forget the heart. We forget we do what we do because he loves us. And we love him. Same thing in our family. We can forget the why. We can forget to love each other and forget to, you know, we, we, we get so focused on the tasks or the problems, the fears, and everybody's stressed in the house or running or critical or cynical and focused on stupid things, and we can forget we got married because we love each other. We can forget that the most important thing right now is, is to love God and that person in front of us, to love them and to listen and to know them, to really hear them and to pray for them and to care for them as God would have us do. The reason for church or the reason for this day is to live in and love the Lord and to love those around us. If we do anything today, no matter what's happening, God's love, we got to remember is better than anything in life. You are loved. You are loved. God so loved you, he sent his son. So we must first not look back or around, but look up and remember, God, you are my God. And then second, we got to remember today, we are loved. God's steadfast love for us never fails. And no matter what happened or what is happening, he loves us. And then third, David says in verse 4, 
I will bless you as long as I live. In the wilderness, David again remembers his purpose. He lives to bless the Lord every day that he's got down here on earth. Even in the pain or the nervousness, to turn his suffering into blessings, to turn his problems into blessings, to turn his trials into blessings. It's not just what he wants God to do for him, but what he wants to do and be for God, a blessing. To bless the Lord simply means to praise and exalt and worship Him. It means to express humble adoration for God and speak well of God to others. It means to serve Him and proclaim His name and His worth. I think here of Paul in prison and how in the book of Philippians he writes in chapter 1, I'll continue to rejoice because I know what's happened to me. It will serve to, towards my deliverance. And because of my chains, others are becoming strong in their faith. And for all of this, I will choose to give thanks. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so I'm going to bless the Lord no matter what is. He says in chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. And then he says, I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have plenty, to be hungry and well-fed. I've experienced both good and bad in this life, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. There is this sense of I will bless the Lord as long as I live. In Paul, just like David, whether he's in prison or preaching the gospel, whether hungry or fed, whatever today went like, <laughs> you know, good or I think horribly, I'm going to bless his name because that is my purpose. And the opposite of bless is curse. You know, remember Job's wife wanted Job to curse God and die because of all the suffering and pain he put him through. But Job wouldn't do it. He said, shall we accept God, good from God and not trouble? Job continued to bless and not curse God. I tell you, there's pain in this life. We all got problems. When they happen, though, will we turn away or turn to God? Will we keep blessing his name? Seeking him, obeying him, trusting him in the hard times? Or will we let bitterness and doubt steal opportunities for today away? David said, I'm going to lift my eyes up. I'm going to continue to bless the Lord in this wilderness. I'm going to continue to trust in my God for my deliverance. I'm going to lift up my hands and I'm going to call on his name. My soul is going to be content and satisfied with him. My mouth will continue to praise him with joyful lips. I have often been inspired by the praise and worship of others when they go through difficult times and they continue to give thanks to God and trust in Him and speak well of Him. I think of mission trips where I saw small congregations and pastors and little huts and dirt floor churches with so little, yet praise the name of the Lord with all their heart and voices. I have seen and heard so many different groups from around the world worship outside of the garden tomb in Jerusalem. I have been there many times, and, and it, with every tour group, we often just pause when we're there and just listen to the different languages singing around us from Europe and South America and Asia and Africa, all singing in their own language praises to God, blessing his name in the place where he rose from the dead. A place of hope that remembers in every suffering and justice and death, he is the resurrection and the life. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. 
So we bless his name. <clears throat> we keep on serving. We keep on believing. We keep on trusting. We keep praising in the storm. We keep giving thanks and singing hymns and sharing Bible verses with each other. And it blesses him when we do this. Just like Job and Paul and Jesus and the disciples, David says, I'm going to bless you as long as I live. I love the words of the Casting Crown song, I will praise you in this storm. It says, I was sure by now, God, you have, would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. And once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. But as the thunder rolls, I hear your whisper through the rain, I am with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. I will praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You've never left my side, and though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. I will bless you as long as I live. Some really deep words there for real people in real life with real faith. So again, first, we must not look back or look around, but look up. And remember, God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you like a thirsty man in the desert. And then second, we remember his love, God's steadfast love, which is better than life and never fails. And third, David says, I'm going to bless the Lord as long as I live. I'm going to keep on praising and trusting and serving and lifting up my hands. And then fourth, and last line I wanted to point out today is verse 7 where it says, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand holds me. The shadow of your wings was a phrase that referred back then to protection and peace. Like a chick resting secure under the wing of her parent, we rest totally secure and safe in God. This phrase is closely tied to the Hebrew word, for peace, shalom, which doesn't mean the absence of conflict or struggle or storm around us, but a calm assurance during it that God is protecting you during that storm. Now I would ask you again, do you believe that he is and will? He is watching over you and your family. You don't need to be afraid. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as this world gives, so do not be troubled. For in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. This is the peace of Christ on that boat in the middle of the storm. The peace and the protection of God in the Bible. We are to have faith and refuse to let our hearts be troubled. Refuse to fear the waves and the wind, knowing who is holding us. And who is in the boat with us? He is ever over me. David's heart found peace as he meditated upon the Lord in the wilderness. He wasn't passive in his worship or devotion of God, but earnestly sought God and rested in the shadow of his wings. David stayed in the shadows of God. His soul clung to the truth of the Lord, and that's how he made it through. The Bible often speaks of God as our shelter, a fortress, a refuge, a rock. Psalm 27.5 says, In the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. Psalm 91, 1-4 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly poison. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield. You know, if I could, a message for the dads on Father's Day here. Pray for this for your family. For your wife and your kids every day, pray for them. For them to know the love of the Lord and to walk in his ways. Pray for God's protection over them in this world of the many temptations and traps and lies that they will hear. As a father, I know what it means to want to guard and protect my kids. And I do that as best as I can. But even, you know, when they aren't watching, you know, it's interesting. A father's eye is always kind of there. And their ear always hearing and a readiness kind of about the situation. But I know as a dad, now 20 years in, I know I can't always be there. I can't protect him from everything this world is going to throw at him. But I know the Lord will be there. And he will watch over them. And he will protect them. And so I pray for them. And I try to teach them how to trust in the Lord and turn to the Lord. And to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. And I pray that they will. Because he is their shield. He is their fortress. David says that even though people are out to kill him and there are real threats in his life, David chooses to dwell in the shelter of God's wing and cling to the Lord. And the right hand of the Lord upholds him, shuts every lion's mouth, calms every threatening wave, parts every sea before them, strengthens every weak knee. He's got us. Stay with him. And so the four lines of this poem I wanted you to hear are, God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you like a thirsty man in the desert looking for water. That wilderness can become a place of worship when we look up. And then second, his steadfast love is better than life. No matter what happens today, God's love never leaves you. And that is most important to live in God's love and to love others. This matters more than all the other stuff that comes and goes. Third, the line, I will bless the Lord as long as I live. David knew in any and every situation, his life was about turning it to a blessing of God. Praising his name, continuing to serve and worship God in the storm. And then fourth, the line is, Lord, you've been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I'll sing for joy. God's protection is promised for those who find shelter in him. So David chose to cling to his Lord. And I pray we would too. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's programs and events, head to bccwaverly.org.